Look at you, hosing, hosing all professional like, like somebody's gonna believe what you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> right? Welcome to Freightonomics, uh, the show slash podcast where we combine the freight market data mm -hmm. with that macroeconomic outlook. Here, I'm Zach Strickland, Director of Freight Market Intelligence at Freightways. He's Anthony Smith, Chief Economist at Freightways, and. We got a really big show, so we've got, <laughs> we've got, we're gonna, we're gonna discuss today some of the topics that are kind of floating around the industry about is the freight market dying? Is it growing? Is it not doing anything? We're gonna lean into some of that, and we're gonna break down some of the data. We also have some earnings reports from some of the biggest uh, enterprise fleets in the United States. So, but first off, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe or don't, uh, if that's not what you feel like doing, but uh, we would appreciate it if you would. Uh, and then Anthony, of course, are you monitoring our- uh, I was, yeah, I was watching like turn my screen around, I'm like I'm on LinkedIn right yeah. now, and it would have been like a picture within a picture, but I'm on LinkedIn right now. So if you wanna jump in on this show, and you happen to be watching live because it's right now 12.01 Eastern Standard Time in Chattanooga, Tennessee, chime in, join the conversation. I'll be reading off comments, questions, things like that. If you want to try to get Zach canceled, we can try to do that as well. But jump in, be a part of the show as well. Yeah, we want to hear what you think uh, and what you're experiencing, uh, growing that community and, and whatnot. So first off, so I, we're going to go straight into the newsonomics uh, of the day. And these are going to be a series of stories that uh, some of them, you know, seemingly disagree with us, but a few of them, it, it's really more about positioning of the information, Anthony. The first... Uh, story that I've got up here, and it's it's really more of just a, it's the DAT release uh, mm -hmm. uh, company news. Like it's just a release. <laughs> it's not necessarily what I would call a news article, but it's one that they released, uh, basically saying that volumes remain strong in March. Uh, you know, and it and the, and the way that it sounds is it's kind of like well, the freight market was did just fine in March. I mean, we talk about Craig's articles uh, here in recent weeks about how the freight market's heading toward a recession. Well, I just want to break down a little bit, uh, and we're going to have some data on this a little bit later uh, that shows you that we don't really disagree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so some of the some of the stuff they say basically saying weaker spot market rates and skyrocketing fuel costs in March overshadowed an increase in stronger truckload freight volumes. And record high prices for loads moving under contract. There's the key. There's the key word right there. Moving under contract. So we talked about this, Anthony, on Freightways Now this morning a little bit. Yeah. About spot market contract. Underneath the spot market, which has been extremely active over the past year and a half or so, uh, there's contract. And what is contract? But it is that consistent, we've agreed, we've got this relationship between shipper, carrier, sometimes broker and, and carrier for a sh on the behalf of a shipper uh, that is called managed transportation. <laughs> and they have these rates set up so that they can quickly say, hey, I've got five loads for you moving from Atlanta to Dallas today. Can you cover them? The carrier can quickly respond with a Y or an N <laughs> and say yes or no uh, to covering those loads. There is already a rate in place. That is the contract. <laughs> this is basically a long-term rate agreement. Right. The spot market is, I don't have something set up, uh, but I have these five loads moving from Atlanta to Dallas today. Can you cover them and at what price? So there's now two uh, answers from a carrier instead of just one. <laughs> that is the spot market. That is the transactional market. And 
typically what happens is when shippers cannot get their contracted loads covered, they bounce to the spot market. Now, there's some direct to spot market uh, mm-hmm. freight that occurs as well uh, because maybe it's a, an unusual lane or something that's come out of nowhere that they don't they weren't ready for. But that that's traditionally how the spot market and contract relationship works. When things get tight, all these contracted loads fall into the spot. When things loosen up, things flow back into the contracted market. So when Craig says market's easing, mm-hmm. he's not saying that necessarily the contracted market is easing. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, He's saying this basically the entire market as a whole is easing because we're seeing increasing uh, compliance rates from carriers. And it dilutes the spot market and fuels the contract space. And that's the interesting thing. So when we're looking at the contract market, it's going to be one of those things where what's, what's, who's it more beneficial to, the carrier or the shipper? Yeah, I mean, that's, it just depends on the, the situation. Yeah. Uh, so the, the contract market is consistent. Carriers love the contract market mm. because they have consistent movements that they can rely on. Uh, they don't have to do a lot of management. Contract, you've set up all this infrastructure to move freight uh, in a lane at a consistent rate, and you can budget for that and you love it. Uh, what happens though is that sometimes you have too much freight <laughs> and you have to prioritize things. And, what, and in a free market, as most things are in the United States, you then get shippers bidding for those, those that capacity. Right. <laughs> and that goes into the spot market. And that's what we've had over the last 18 months is that spot markets had a lot of that volume. So one of the things that this article doesn't necessarily say is that it doesn't say total volumes were strong. It says contract volumes were strong. And that makes total sense when we're talking about this transitional state. As things fall back into the contract space, because carriers now don't have a bunch of spot market or transactional freight to haul, they're going to cover more of it under contract because they can't. So you're saying both things can be true. Yes. <laughs> These are not mutually exclusive. It, it is uh, the fact that they kind of say contract volumes were strong on record high rates makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> because we see the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, I, I love the different perspective of looking at the development of contract rates. I mean, when you're looking at even bid cycles, I mean, yeah. they were really, they've short bid cycles were a thing before the pandemic, but really kind of started to see a little bit more of those shorter bid cycles really being a little bit more popular throughout the pandemic. As we continue to like move throughout some of this easing, do you mm-hmm. see that being less of a thing potentially? Yeah, that's going to be the big question is, do we see contract rates start to slide back? Let's pull up our first uh, graphic here. Let's go ahead and do that. So uh, it's a little complicated to look at, but bear with me. <laughs> it's three lines. The first line, the blue line, is the one I, one I want you to look at here. That's the, con, that's the average contract rate excluding fuel uh, in the United States based on our $80 billion to $100 billion you know, group of invoices. Um, and you can see that it's gradually rising. Well, that makes total sense. I mean, the market itself, if you look at that tender rejection rate, that VOTRI in purple, that's fallen dramatically. Contracts lag the spot market. <laughs> they are reactive because they're set up on long-term cycles. Typically, a shipper takes six to eight weeks for a bid process. That's just the bid process. It right. takes months to prepare for a bid in general, for a large bid, um, before they release it out to the, to the wild for carriers to bid on. And that's why these rates typically don't move the way that we've seen them over the last year or so. I mean, you see it's a straight up and to the right trend line here. 
that's just now looking like it's stalling out. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we've seen the mini bids and some contracted bid cycles come into play, but still it, it takes a while. <laughs> right. Um, the interesting thing will be, will those contract rates start to decline? Because now that the it looks like the cycle's turning, as is indicated by that purple line and the green line, which is the spot rate uh, for the um, truckstop.com top 100, those, those both are leading indicators for the contract market. <laughs> gotcha. Longer that one, the di- direction predicts what's going to happen to the to that blue line down there. So we're seeing spot rates fall, tender rejection rates fall. Eventually, those contracts, not saying that they're going to fall, but they stop going up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, historically speaking, it takes a long time for them to go down. History has been a bad predictor of the future, though. So watch out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, now more than ever. I mean, we're looking yeah. at historical trends and seasonality. It's like, well, mm-hmm. when was this trend taken? Can we apply 2014 to 2020? Can we apply yeah. 2020 to 2022? So definitely, definitely makes sense here. Zach, the other big thing, of course, we have some earnings information yeah. coming up. From the largest for hire carrier in the United States, Knight Swift uh, came out with some pretty strong earnings. Uh, so Hey, there, there's some things in this article that you should definitely check out. Todd Maiden does a great job, as usual, covering our earnings uh, on FreightWaves.com, so make sure that you read it. But uh, their Q1 earnings, you know, and they come out and they say, you know what, they're going to raise guidance for the yeah. rest of the year. Again, this may sound like something that doesn't make sense uh, in, in, the, in the narrative that the freight market is declining. But you have to understand some of these nuances, especially with a Knight Swift, largest enterprise carrier, they, they, they talk about how small fleets are not being enabled like they were in 2018. Accurate statement. Uh, they also talk about how their rates and everything are, are just fine. You just saw the contract rate index. Yes, they're great. <laughs> and if you look at the earnings here, Anthony Smith, I'm a numbers guy. Yeah. You can read the words if you want to in the statements. They got to do what they got to do in terms of making sure that they're public, you know, they're financial uh, investors and, and shareholders are all taken care of. That is their number one priority and responsibility. So they have to make sure that they are covered. Um, not that they said anything inaccurate or that they lied, but there is a certain amount of, they have to defend those people, right. and rightfully so. <laughs> uh, but the, the bottom line here is that I see nothing that disputes the fact that the market may have turned already. We've got a heavily contracted carrier. The contracts favor these type of carriers. So if you saw those rates, and he even mentions in there, they're not really messing with the spot market. If you, uh, Knight Swift is probably, I mean, a heavily contracted carrier. Uh, some of the largest shippers in the United States uh, rely on Knight Swift. <laughs> and they're not going to disturb that relationship. Right. So they're going to be one of the last places you see. But Knight Swift has also been stockpiling cash over the last few months. They've been selling some of their tractors. Now, some of the line items that you need to look at when you're looking at this earnings statement on in the, in the article, uh, their fleet contracted <laughs> uh, over the last year. They had 18,224 units in Q1 of 21. They had 17,965 units in Q1 of 22. So that's their average tractor count. They've, they've pulled back 259 uh, units on average. Uh, so... They, they know what's up. Right. <laughs> they're, they're preparing uh, for what's up. Another thing, uh, their average utilization actually declined in Q1. Um, 14.1% deadhead this, this 
uh, first quarter versus 12.8%, same quarter last year. So deadhead miles, of course, empty miles, non-revenue, whatever you want to call them. Uh, so they're traveling further without a load underneath the tractor. Uh, their miles per tractor were down a good 2,000 uh, miles on average per month. Um, loaded miles per tractor down. Uh, but the one factor that eradicates all of that, their revenue per tractor was up. <laughs> their yeah. revenue per loaded mile was up. And that totally supports this idea that contract rates have increased. So they're less efficient, but the revenue is covering up some of this inefficiency. Not that we haven't seen some of this inefficiency in earlier quarters with this company, but it's their and their OR relatively stagnant Q1 Q1 over Q4. Well, that's impressive. So normally that's a that's a big deal, but in this market, I think it makes sense because we're you're talking about contracts increasing. Yeah, they're going to gain some extra revenue from the, that rate increase before some of that inflationary pressure starts to hit too. And so when we're talking about you know we're talking about Night Swift here, a large typically, like I said, contract. Mm -hmm. These large companies, large shippers, large carriers mm -hmm. favor some of these contract situations because it starts to get inefficient, right? When you start mm -hmm. looking at uh, playing in the spot market. I mean, you can, if there is a lower rate for a shipper or you know a better rate for the carrier, but once you start getting to those large companies, is it really worth it at that size? Does it start, does that efficiency start to kind of play in there? Yeah, I mean, efficiency for a trucking carrier is everything. Yeah. Um, and, but, the, the, but Night Swift is going to be one of the last places we see kind erosion of because, that, again, it depends on how much spot market exposure there is. The first place mm -hmm. to die is the spot market. <laughs> That's always the leading indicator. So everybody talking about contracted freight volumes, yeah, they're going to stay where they are. Like It's going to take a minute for before you know, you're in a glass and you've got a water level. <laughs> sitting on that glass. When that water starts to drop, this is all spot up here. Mm -hmm. This is your contract. <laughs> it's starting to flow down, flow down, flow down. This is the last place that that stuff leaves. And uh, the, so the, the next chart I want to pull up here, uh, this is kind of behind the scenes. So all of our viewers today are getting a little bit of a behind the scenes look. This is not a necessarily available straight up in Sonar just yet. This is our, this is the calculation of accepted tender volumes. Uh, so OTVI, a, or it's OTVI, it's an accepted contract freight. So uh, this is simply one minus OTRI times OTVI. And the two lines I have drawn there are from two points in time. The first line is from the beginning of March uh, last year, the beginning of March this year. 4% increase of accepted volumes in March, <laughs> early March, those two points. And it stayed relatively ab about there. It might have contracted a little bit over the course of the month. Uh, but... The second line is from the middle of April. So it's current. It's April, this week last year versus this week last, uh, this year. It's 4% down. Now you have to keep in mind that Easter is also playing a role here. So it's a little exaggerative. You can see early on in this chart that there is a dip at the beginning of April. That's Easter last year. So we're actually flat when you compare the two Easters. Gotcha. But if you go back a week, we're still down. <laughs> We're down a few, roughly just under 2%. Uh, so this is, is going to be the critical component here moving forward to watch, is when these contracted volumes start declining year over year, and we just hit the point where we're going to see some of that uh, start to maybe materially show up as the contracted volumes start to decline. March, contracted volumes were actually higher. Yeah. So everybody that says that, we support you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
And so that's going to be a big thing is that that shift when we start seeing those volumes come down. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, where some of the macroeconomics starts to play into Mm -hmm. it. I mean, why are we starting to see that shift in some of these volumes? What's going on in the macroeconomy? What's going on with those consumer trends? What's happening in the world? Of course, it's no secret we're seeing a lot of inflationary pressures. Um, You know, a lot of uncertainties throughout the country, you know, international events, things like that. Then it kind of comes down to, all right, the consumer is not sitting on that same stockpile of cash they had at the beginning of the pandemic, throughout the pandemic, stimulus packages being deployed throughout the country, um, you know, government incentives and packages and things like that for jobless uh, mm-hmm. benefits and support, things like that. Those aren't available anymore. And right. so we're starting getting eaten up by inflation. We're seeing wage growth grow at mm-hmm. one of the fastest pace that we've ever seen, but we're also seeing inflation eat into that. And so there's been this talk about, you know, hey, a shift of, you know, from goods to services, starting to see that in real time. You saw the personal consumption expenditures, which is a fancy way of saying consumer (laughs) spending, show that there was a downward movement already in durable goods and the upward movement in services. We saw retail sales we're talking about not too long ago, earlier today. It increased, which is great news usually. Except. Except (laughs) it was for gas stations (laughs) that really carried it. And we saw a consecutive drop Mm -hmm. for retail sales of non-store retailers. And that's a concerning trend there Mm -hmm. because that was one of those areas that really provided some upward movement to volumes throughout a lot of the pandemic. Yeah, and listen, I was in Disney last week. <laughs> uh, it's real. Like yeah. we, we paid a lot more money to go there than we usually did, and it was jam-packed. They were sold out, sold out for the next two to three weeks. You could not get into the park. <laughs> Everybody is back on the road. They're traveling. They've been pent up for two years. They're spending their money. They, they've already redecorated their house three times. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's an inevitability now that every people are getting re-released. We thought this was going to happen last year. It, it's actually more happening now than it did last year, I'm, I'm telling you. So uh, I'm going to pull up this next chart before we get to our next earnings report. This is the ATA's truck tonnage index. Now, it's not just the simple ATA truck tonnage index. Now, uh, again, they're talking about a tonnage index. So it's measuring weight, which is not necessarily the best. <laughs> you know, It implies that it, it, it uses weight. And here, I'll, I'll say that you look on the website and it's not necessarily well defined on what they're actually using as an index here. But uh, we have a line here and Henry Byers did this because everybody, we, we get these questions all the time about what do you think about the ATA's tonnage index? It looks like it's disagreeing with you. From year over year, it really isn't disagreeing with us in terms of those last two years. Mm. You saw the accepted tenders. These, this is a seasonally adjusted index. Our, that OTVI accepted was not seasonally adjusted. So if you did seasonally adjust it, though, it would look similar to this, at least for the last two years. The right. big caveat here is look at 2019 into 20. <laughs> That's iffy. <laughs> I don't think anybody in the space in trucking would say 2019 was like record volume year. Right. <laughs> it's saying that you had more volume in, you know, at least in terms of weight, which may be accurate. Uh, overall, because consumer freight tends to be lighter than industrial freight. Mm. And one of the things Henry Byers did here, that orange line, that is the, uh, that's the ATA truck tonnage index. The blue line is U.S. oil production. (laughs) That's going to be an industrial facing. Industrial facing index. Index. So if you look at this chart, these two line up so too, too perfectly. They lean industrial, nothing wrong with it. Tender data leans consumer. <laughs> right. 
We know that. It's a very consumer-facing, that's that for hire. That's what generally creates a lot of the volatility. Historically speaking, the industrial sector really had a strong tie to for hire trucking. That's kind of dissipated a little bit, uh, especially lately during yeah. the pandemic because the industrial carriers have had to diversify. <laughs> right. They got to go find, we've had industrial, we don't make stuff like we used to in the United States. We import it from China. <laughs> And so that transition has made that for hire trucking sector really show up a lot more consumer heavy, consumer centric. It's also the stuff that has the sense of urgency. Yeah. A lot of people put this freight on a train. <laughs> well, that's the other big part that we were talking about earlier today, that sense of urgency, especially mm -hmm. for shippers. That sense of urgency was much more present throughout the midst of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. That had to get there now. We need this. We need to fulfill this. We need to get this here. Yep. That sense of urgency isn't it's quite the same now. No, it's not at all. So let's get to our last earnings uh, report here that we have to talk about. This is PAM Transportation uh, is our last one. They, of course, scored record Q1 on higher rates. As we just saw in the chart, higher rates <laughs> are a thing, especially in the contracted side. And we really are too early in the cycle to see any kind of contraction there on the volume side because everything in the spot market is now a lot of that stuff is diluting into the contract space. Now, tr now Pam, too, uh, a little bit different than Knight Swift. They're very automotive heavy. And you talked about it just the other day. This is why I wanted to talk about Pam. <laughs> yeah. You talked about it the other day. Uh, the automotive sector starting to grow once again. And that's very, and I saw it reflected in these numbers here. So their revenue was up uh, 42% year over year. Uh, an insane amount on their truckload side. Average trucks, they did grow a little bit by 40 units uh, year over year, but not a lot. Total loads was up, um, but their total miles were down. <laughs> Deadhead percentage also up uh, from 8.1% to 9.2%. So they're a little less efficient too at revenue overcoming some of that stuff. Shorter lengths of haul uh, is what it looks like. Revenue per total mile way up, 43%. That explains your revenue growth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I I, I, I'm glad you brought it up because we're looking at automotive. That's one of those areas. Where, I mean, it was just being muffled so yep. much throughout the pandemic. And we saw this nice tick up in the latest industrial production report for auto, our motor vehicles and parts production mm -hmm. um, in the latest report. And it, it, pretty, it showed a pretty nice little spike there after being so muted for so long. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of shows where there's just been that that influx of, not influx, but just that infusion, I should say, of, of semiconductor chips kind yep. of hitting the market a little bit more. All right, we can fulfill these vehicles. We can push it forward. This now is a completed unit. Get it out there. Yeah. And so it, the production would be so much higher mm -hmm. if we had some of these other components in there. So there's just so much backlog really still sitting in so many different pockets mm -hmm. of the industrial sector that once one or two components come through, it's just off to the races. Yeah, Pam actually is one of those carriers that benefits from supply chains actually loosening up <laughs> yeah. a, a, a lot because that's one of the sectors that has been strangled. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Pam having a good quarter absolutely makes sense. I mean, their OR dropped from 90 to 81. <laughs> I mean, the, the automotive uh, companies can't ship anything if they don't have anything ready to go. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's definitely... So there's always nuance. <laughs> Watch what you read. Be careful a lot. And I know, I know, bear with me, guys. <laughs> You're going to have to sometimes read beyond the headlines uh, to get to what's really going on. Hopefully, uh, those things kind of helped you outline and understand what you're looking at. There's not necessarily always one straight index. There's not one right <laughs> or wrong in a lot of cases. Uh, 
uh, pulling some of these things together uh, actually makes sense. I mean, we talked about J.B. Hunt last week. They're normally the first ones uh, that come out. Yeah. Great quarter. They're 60% intermodal. What did we talk about on uh, FreightWaves Now this week? <laughs> that lack of urgency and intermodal really being a great outlet. Yeah, yeah, it's actually the thing that was strangling intermodal last year is now a huge headwind. Uh, and intermodal rates a little bit slower to come up. I mean, J.B. Hunt has done a fantastic job. They're right. in a, a splendid position yeah. uh, for this year. They're very diversified. Their service is, of course, uh, very conducive to what shippers need right now, too. Exactly. <laughs> and, and Zach, real quick, I know we're ending. Got a question from the control room. Here we go. Cancel Zach. <laughs> when something is delivered by sea, it's called cargo. But when by land, shipment. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Canceling. I obviously don't this know. This <laughs> is Fredonomics. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Anthony Smith. This is Zach Strickland, Sultan of Sonar. We appreciate you being here, tuning in. If you want to dive in a little bit more, go to tv.freeze.com. Watch some of our other episodes if you're on YouTube. Thank you so much. Be sure to comment, subscribe, share, like, all that fun stuff if you want to. If not, that's Send fine. Send us a message. Ask questions. Yeah, Drink water. Questions. Drink more water. <laughs> Happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs>